You know it's possible to overdose on church services and religion. Uh, look at my own story. I, I didn't come from a Christian family, but uh, I was sent to Christian schools, Christian primary school and Christian secondary school. And uh, one of the things about schools, particularly in the UK at that time, was that every day had to start with an act of Christian assembly. Uh, don't ask me what they said. I can't remember any of it. But I did calculate that I probably attended 2,500 plus assemblies. Now, the only days we didn't do assemblies was special days like Saints' Days or Thanksgiving where we went to church. And uh, I recall um, uh, my primary school was called St. Peter's School and uh, it was St. Peter's Day. And so we went to St. Peter's Church. Uh, but it had come just after my birthday and I'd, I'd recently started supporting a football team, a soccer team for you Americans, uh, called Tottenham Hotspur. And someone had bought me a Tottenham Hotspur diary. And I decided that a Tottenham Hotspur diary was a lot more interesting to read than the church service was. Unfortunately, my headmaster did not agree. So when we got back to the school, I was called into his room and as happened in those days, he got his stick out and oh, two strokes of the cane. And I thought to myself, man, this was so much more interesting than the church service. And for many years, I had this feeling that God was like this. God was like a headmaster who was waiting to see what I did wrong. The other thing about those services at that time, the assemblies and the services, they used words I did not understand. Words like omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. If you play Scrabble, that's a lot of points, I've got to tell you. Now, I later learned that omniscient means all-knowing. Omnipresent means all-present. Why didn't they just say all-present? Omnipotent meant all-powerful. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, today I have selected Psalm 139. I guess you've gathered that by now. I love this psalm. It was written by King David, like Psalm 23. And Psalm 139 demonstrates all of these, especially the first two. And I believe it leads us to another omni that perhaps is even more important. And that word is omnibenevolent. What it means is all good. And if you want to fall asleep for the rest of the sermon, that's okay. Because what I'm going to tell you today can be summed in three words. God is good. That's worth an amen, I think. God is good. Now, Bible teachers will tell you that of all the 150 Psalms, Psalm 139 is the one that best describes God's personal relationship with us. The idea that God is not far off, but is near to each one of us. As a, as a kid, did you ever play hide and seek? Do you remember hide and seek? Um, I can remember just a few years ago when my grandkids were, were very, very small. I mean, hide and seek took a very different uh, angle. So when, when, when I went to hide, 
I had to hide very close so they could see me because if they couldn't find me in a nanosecond, they would panic. But when it was their turn to hide, as I turned around, I could already see them. But you have to play a little game for about two or three minutes. I can't see you. I need to tell you today, you cannot play hide and seek with God. You see, the first thing that we learn from Psalm 139 is that God sees everything about me. Let's start by reading the first four verses. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is in my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Now the word search literally means to examine, to examine with pain and care. Jewish people used it to describe digging deep into a mine or exploring a land or investigating a legal case. These verses describe God's omniscience, which, as I said, means all-knowing. My friends, God knows everything. Friends may see us from the outside, but God sees our hearts. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare to Him to whom we must give an account. I, I love general knowledge quizzes. I'm a, I'm a good person to have on your team, particularly if you want to answer questions on pop music from around 1965 to 1990. Just a tip. But I get so frustrated sometimes when I'm on a general knowledge quiz, I'm watching one on TV, and I feel I should know the answer, but I don't. I need to tell you, there is no question that God cannot answer. No problem that confuses him. He's never surprised. He's never shocked. He never says, oh really? These verses list three specific areas that concern you and me. First it says in verse three, you know when I sit down and when I rise. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. In other words, God knows everything we do. He knows when I plop into my armchair to watch Netflix. And He knows when I get up to get some more nibbles and soda. Okay, some more beer, sorry. Now talking of which, he knows all our habits. He knows our good habits and our bad habits, our weak areas and our strong ones. He sees them all. Actually, he knows them better than you do. 
Also, verse 4 says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. God knows every word we say. He doesn't just know it after we say it. He knows it before we say it. Now, if you're like me, this is a problem. Because I often open my mouth without engaging my brain first. Like I say things like, England are going to win the Euros. And then I think, God, you already knew what I was going to say that. And you knew I was going to regret it. Couldn't you kind of like that just, just to warn me in advance so that I could keep my mouth shut? The third thing that God knows in verse two, you perceive my thoughts from Avar. God knows everything we've ever thought about. Well, think about that for a moment. Oh, God knows you just thought about that. <laughs> How can you grasp a God who knows every thought that you've ever had, plus those of 7.7 billion people in the world? It's hard to take in. Now, if God sees and knows everything I do or even think, now what does that mean to me? That means... He has enormous power to encourage me in what's right. He has enormous power to help me in temptation. He knows exactly the struggle that is going on in my mind. He sees it coming before I see it coming. And he's already preparing an escape route so I can get away from temptation. And because God sees me when I'm tempted, that's a motivation for me not to give in. I don't want to sin when he's watching me. You know, it's human nature. If you know a police car sitting there, you don't speed. Oh, it's so funny in Hong Kong. I mean... You know, uh, where, 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 where I live, we go, we go from a, off the Dingao Bridge and then we go onto a, like a four-way freeway, but the, the, the limit is 70 kilometres an hour on a, on a four-lane freeway. It's incredible. And there's this, you know, this orange box which tells you it's speeding. I love watching the cars one by one, the brake lights going on. It's amazing. If you know your boss is watching, you don't play Fortnite on your computer at work. So when I'm tempted, God wants to help me out. I'll tell you something. This coming week, I'm going to face some temptation. So are you. I don't know when it will come. I don't know what it will be. But God does. God already knows about it and he's already prepared an escape route, a way out of temptation. So that's number one, God sees everything about me. The second thing we learn from this psalm is that God is continually with me. Verse five, you hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go 
from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Now this phrase, hem me in, can be translated as to guard a valuable object. You know, if you're on a jewellery show or something, to guard that would be to hem it in. These verses describe God's omnipresence, which as I said, simply means all present. It means that God is present everywhere in the universe at the same time. Not a little bit of him here, a little bit there. No, he's, he's fully present at every place all the time. Now, I know you can't understand that, nor can I. But then again, we're not God. I mean, to be honest, Justice mentioned, I'm really looking forward to my extended vacation in the UK next month, COVID willing. I'm going to see my elderly relatives. I've got four elderly relatives between the ages of 86 and 91. And in fact, my brother-in-law, um, you know, uh, will be celebrating his 92nd birthday while we're there. Now, I just want to say to you guys, don't bother contacting me. I'm checked out. WhatsApp groups, gone. But think about it. If God went on vacation, even for a moment, the universe would fall apart. Now we don't have to worry about him going on vacation because there's nowhere he could go because he's already there. It's like me saying, I think I want to go on vacation. I, want, I think I want to take Sandra special, somewhere special. So I'm going to take her to uh, Hong Kong. And then I realise I'm already here. Come to think of it, that's the story of the past two years, isn't it really? But because God is a spirit, he can be everywhere at once. He couldn't possibly get any closer to you because he's everywhere. For centuries, people have asked, where's God? It's a very important question. Seekers want to know the answer because they want to find God. Huh. As if he's the one that's lost. A person who is carrying around a lot of guilt wants to know where God is so they can run the other way. The hurting person, the lonely person wants to know because he or she feels abandoned by God. Where is God when I need Him, when I feel so alone? And we see so much of this in the book of Psalms. As King David discovered, if I know that God is always with me, then I can depend on Him no matter what 
trouble I'm facing. No matter how bad things look, I know He's right here with me. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. Some of you might need to hear that today. He saves those who have lost all hope. My friends, if you're discouraged, God is with you. Is your heart breaking? God is near you. Are you lonely? You are not alone. God is with you. Do you feel like you don't know which way to go? God is your direction indicator, your road sign. In verse 10, he says this, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If you realise that God is with you, you realise you have nothing to worry about. He will guide you and He will hold you fast. You can trust Him no matter what comes along. The next section of Psalm 139 is one of the best known parts of the Bible. This is why I really love this psalm. We've seen, haven't we, that God sees everything about me. We've seen that God is continually with me. And in this section, we see that God planned out everything about me. I love this. Verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, in 21st century, we put an incredible amount of importance on how we look. If I look good, I must be good. Wrong. It's amazing what we do to make ourselves look good. Slimming treatments, liposuction, facial scrubs. Ha, there's half of us over here on sunbeds getting fake suntans and the other half over there having face whitening. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Proverbs 31 says, charm can be deceptive and beauty doesn't last. My friends, no matter how much Botox you use, beauty doesn't last. 1 Samuel 17 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I need to tell you, God places no emphasis on how we look. He says, it doesn't matter because you can't judge a person by his appearance. And here's the point. It's important. You need to listen to this. God created you exactly the way you are. 
think I might say that again, it's so important. God created you exactly the way you are. It was part of His perfect plan for you. He wanted you to look just like you look. He wanted you to have exactly the skills and abilities and talents you have. That was His perfect design for you. In verse 13, David said, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Can I be honest? Not many of us are really that excited about the way God made us. Many of us are oh, so self-critical. We're always putting ourselves down. Oh, maybe you don't say it out loud, but you walk in here and you walk in here smiling. Hi. But inside you're thinking, I'm fat, I'm dumb, I'm ugly, I'm slow, I'm a bad person, I'm a terrible Christian. God wants you to stop putting yourself down. God wants you to stop putting yourself down. When you say these things, you're really pointing to the Creator who made you. When you say, God, I'm worthless, I'm no good, I can't do anything, what you're really saying is, God, you blew it when you made me. God says, no, I didn't. God says, I created you just the way I wanted you. But you haven't figured out yet just how much I love you and what my purpose for you is. My friends, you are a marvellous creation and you are designed exactly the way He wanted you. Not only did God make you a wonderful creation, but He has a plan for your life. The verses we read earlier said that even in my mother's womb, you were preparing me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a purpose for every person. And that means that you are on a special assignment from God. God's got some work to do in this world and it can only be done by you. When you understand that, it makes all the difference. So God sees everything about me. God is continually with me. God has planned everything about me. And let's go to the last section of the Psalm. We see that God is continually leading me. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away with me, you bloodthirsty man. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It says here that God's thoughts about you outnumber the number of grains of sand. Do you know how many grains of sand there are? Well, you will now because I'm going to tell you. 7.5 times 10 to the power of 18 grains of sand or 7 quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand. That's a lot of sand castles. What that means is that God is thinking about you all the time. But what is he thinking? One of the things he's thinking about is in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This sermon is called Search Me. It says he is searching your heart. He's searching your motives, your anxious thoughts or worries and leading you in the right direction. He's constantly thinking about me so he can constantly lead me so that I can follow him and be blessed. You see, God's not like my headmaster at school on that day. Every time I do the right thing, God's watching. Every time instead of sinning, I choose not to sin. Every time I resist the temptation. Every time I stand up for the right thing, no matter how small or insignificant, God knows it and sees my faithfulness to Him. Matthew 6, Jesus says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Every good deed will be rewarded no matter how insignificant, regardless of whether anybody on earth even saw it. Every word of encouragement you give to other people, every kind word or compliment, every time you do a thoughtful act, every time you encourage someone at a community group, every time you had the opportunity to gossip and didn't, every time you had the opportunity to be critical and you weren't, God sees it all. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. I'm glad they told me that at school. You see, it ultimately doesn't matter how I appear to any of you or what anyone else thinks about me. This psalm shows me the only thing that matters is what God thinks of me. And I've already told you that he is omnibenevolent, all good. So how I'm going to finish is I'm going to tell you exactly what God thinks about you. 
I'm going to read to you something that's called the Father's Love Letter. Some of you may have seen it. It's taken mainly from Psalm 139 and elsewhere in Scriptures. And what I'm going to ask you to do now is to close your eyes. Just take all the distractions away. Put your phone down for a moment. This is God talking to you. My child. Notice before we start what he's called you. My child, my son, my daughter. You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. Now I've been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I'm not distant and angry but I'm the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are as countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you will seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I'm able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I'm also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken hearted, I'm close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and I'll take away all the pain you've suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you. And to tell you I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. 
and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I've always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. And it's signed, love, your dad, almighty God. Let's stand for prayer. God's presence is here today. Whether you're aware of it or not, He wants you to know Him. He wants you to feel His love. If you're not sure that you know Him yet, why don't you just say in your heart, God, I'd like to know Your presence in my life. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, and this verse has come up already, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus says, I'm knocking at the door of your life. If you open up, I will come into your life and live with you and you with me. So just say, Jesus, come into my life right now. I'm just wondering if you just close your eyes for another, another second, please. I want to give an opportunity for anyone physically here today to say yes to Jesus, to ask Him to come into your life. For those people watching online, the same opportunity is there, the same Holy Spirit that is here with us today. The Holy Spirit is not phased by Zoom or YouTube. He's there with you. And He's saying to you, will you ask me to come into my life? And if that's you, you'd like to invite Jesus into your life. You'd like to respond to that thing that says, I stand at the door and knock. I'd love to pray for you. And so we're going to do this in two ways. If you're here with us in person at the Vine today, and you'd like to pray that prayer to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, you've never done this, or you may have wandered far away from Him, and today He's saying, come back, my child. I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing. Just why every eye is closed. Please respect this. If you'd like to be included in that prayer and say, Jesus, come into my life. Could you just raise your hand so we can see it? If that's you, is that you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. In the upper house too. Keep your hands up for a while because there's people around who are going to come and encourage you and bless you. If you're at home, or you're watching online, can you just type the words yes, Y-E-S, in the chat line and someone will follow up from you. Go to the chat line. 
just write Y-E-S and someone from this church will follow up with you and come and pray with you. But for, for the benefit of those who are raising their hands, just keep your hands raised. We're going to pray together. Repeat after me. Let's all pray together. Father God, I come to you acknowledging your love for me. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Jesus, forgive me my sins and come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me, Lord, to live a life that pleases you and one that is in keeping with everything we've heard in Psalm 139. Sorry, that was too much. I got carried away. Lord, I want to live a life that pleases you. I am your child. I am loved. And I know you are proud of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome those who said that prayer. And let's worship God.